The following audio is from Story City Church in Burbank, California. Thank you for listening. For more information on Story City, you can find us online at storycitychurch.com or on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Story City Church. Good morning, Story City. My name is Nehemiah, and I will be reading today's scripture. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. So if everyone will please stand for the reading of God's word. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you you will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people who he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Hey family, welcome. My name is Jared. I have the honor of being one of the pastors here at Story City Church. This Christmas season can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Often it's a time of a lot of waiting. And so while we're waiting in this Advent season, I thought it'd be a great time to talk about the things that we wait for. Here at Story City, one of our values is that your story matters. Why not ask some of the most valued members of our church about their story. Are you excited about Christmas? No. No? Okay, what's your favorite part of Christmas, you two? It's seeing what's inside my present. That is super cool. Are you guys excited about Christmas? Yes. Yeah? What's the best part for you? Presents. Presents. Playing Christmas music. Well, one thing that I like about Christmas is that me and my mom bake um, cookies or gingerbread cake. Are you a person who's excited about Christmas or no? Yeah, totally. I want to like give gifts and see the reaction. Do you know what Christmas is? Yeah. What is Christmas? Um, poop. It's poop? Christmas is poop? What's it like to wait for Christmas? Do you enjoy it? Are there anything that you like to do to help you wait when it's hard to wait? Sometimes I like to distract myself um, by playing with my fidgets or drawing or playing a game. I kind of want it to come, but I want more time because Christmas only happens for like one day. Do you have a Christmas joke for me? I made up this one. What does Santa ride when his sleigh is broken? It's icicle. Oh, what do you want most for Christmas? Don't say it! Yeah. Don't say it! Don't say it! What do you do to make waiting better? Um, poop. You poop. Well, family, there you have it. From some of our most important members, despite traditions, we found out that it is very difficult to wait no matter who you are. As we are walking our way through the Advent series, as we wait, the beautiful part is that we do know that all of us have the hope. We have been saved 
we are being saved and we will be saved. And so family, as we look forward to many different traditions over many different times, this season is one that we get to wait with not only anticipation, but a certainty of that hope, one that we're thankful for. We're glad you're with us. Love you. Merry Christmas. So fam, Merry Christmas. Good to see you. I'm not saying that that one family prepped and had their kid ready to say all the right things, but there might have been like a whole week of prep for him to answer poop for everything. That's okay. That's, that's how it goes, having a toddler. Well, Merry Christmas Eve to you. My name is Jared. I have the honor of being one of the pastors here. It is a, a privilege. I hope you enjoyed that video as much as I did. Some of you can relate though, right? Some of you are so excited for tomorrow. You just cannot wait. And others of you are like, it's all poop. It's just all poop. I get it. Listen, no matter how you're feeling this Christmas, I want you to know that your story is welcome here. For those of you that are new, I I spend the first couple minutes of each message uh, kind of laying out a little bit of who we are culturally and what we're all about. And I I do this for two primary reasons. First, we just want to be transparent. We want you to know who we are. There's nothing worse than like, are they who they say they are? So we just, look, this is what we're about. And we try to say that every week because it helps us know this is what we're all involved with. And the second part is it really helps us begin thinking about how our story contributes to the greater story that God is doing in and through the people here at this church. Now, you might be saying... I'm still trying to figure out this Jesus thing. I'm not sure if I even have a story that would in any way contribute to the larger story here. But the deal is that we believe Jesus is the hero of the story. Jesus is the hero of the story. And it's, it's not, as one pastor has said, about trying to get to heaven, but about heaven trying to get into us. See, God has this plan of redemption and reconciliation, a plan of a hope and a future, not just for us, but all the people that God has put us in, in, in contact with, the people that are around us, the Bible calls them our neighbors. And it's exactly the reason that one of our values here is that our story is God's story. So let me start over and welcome you again. Welcome to those who are exhausted. Welcome to those of you who do not have your ducks in a row. Welcome to those of you who haven't seen your ducks in years. Welcome to those who are doing your best to keep up appearances. Welcome to those who, who have everything together or think we have everything together. Welcome to those who are healthy and happy. Welcome to those who are thinking about giving up and welcome to those who are somewhere in the middle this morning. Your story matters and we're glad that you're here. Let's get to our Minute to Mingle question today. And the question was, what is your favorite way to rest? What did you guys have? Sleep, yeah, okay, that's, I figured that'd be 95% of the answer, so that's a good, that's a great one, that's a great one. Are you one of the people, let me ask, for those of you who answered sleep, are you one of the people that can just sleep on command? Like, are you just that, like, I fell asleep marching in boot camp once, that was a whole nother story, but, okay, other than sleep, what else do we got? Binging TV shows, for sure, God invented Netflix, I'm, per, I'm sure of it, what else? Playing video games, yeah. Okay, what else? Hiking. All right, somebody on the opposite side of the video game thing. I like that. That's cool. What else? Reading and the spa. I love that that answer came from a dude. That's fantastic. It's great. Great. We need to break stereotypes down. Let's get that done. (laughs) Dragons. All right. (laughs) I'm glad that was an answer other than poop, Mr. Nolan. That's fantastic. (laughs) What else? 
Any other way you like to rest? Anybody have a difficult time resting? Okay, a couple of us. I str- Listen, I struggle with resting most particularly when I'm forced to rest, right? It's like how you most crave Chick-fil-A win on Sundays, right? Exactly. It's the same thing. When I'm forced to rest is the time that I actually find it most difficult. When I was in eighth grade, I went on a uh, trip to a youth conference in Fort Worth, Texas. Don't worry, Fort Worth isn't the joke. It's just a part of it. Um, (laughs) My Texas people are like, wait a minute. Everybody makes fun of Fort Worth. It's okay. Everybody that lives in Fort Worth calls it Dallas, so you're, you're, you're fine. So I went on this youth conference, and, uh, and three friends and I decided that we wanted to go and find the tallest building in the city so we could look out and just sort of survey the landscape. And, uh, and so we find the building. It's a Saturday morning, got some time, and, uh, and, and we go, we find this building. But because it's Saturday, it's kind of locked up. And so it, it takes us a little bit, but we sort of find a side entrance. We make our way into the lobby. We get into the elevator, and it's one of those buildings where you have to take the elevator up like 50 floors, transfer, get into another elevator, and you go up the rest of the way. And so we get in the elevator. The four of us pile in. We press the button. The doors close. It starts vibrating. Boom, takes off. And we're like, man, this thing is fast. And then we're like, this thing doesn't seem so fast. And then we're like, this thing is really slow. And then we're like, uh, I think there's a problem. <laughs> and so we start pressing the buttons and nothing happens. And it's at that moment we realize that uh, none of the lights are lighting up. And so we press the open door button and it goes, right? We're like, oh man, still vibrating, still moving, door open, thing didn't work. What is going on, right? And so we're trying to think through this. We're pressing buttons, nothing is happening. And we're like, okay. How much time do we give this? So we wait another couple minutes. At this point, we've been in the elevator now 10 minutes. And we realize, okay, we're probably not just stuck, but it's, it's a problem. And so I, I go to press the, the, you know, the red emergency button. You guys have all seen it. Hoped you never had to press it. It's not there. I mean, the hole is there. The button was there at one point. But the button is no longer there. Which is fine because there's a panel that says emergency phone. So I flip open the panel, and you guessed it, there's a cord and two wires, but no plastic receiver to call anybody on. At this point, we're divvying up the corners of the elevator and trying, like my friend is eating an orange, and I was like, hey, that's the only food we got. She's like, I don't care, I'm hungry, I'm eating this orange. And I'm like, hey, we've been in this elevator over an hour now. Like, we, you know, you tr- we're trying to like, we can't find the hatch not that we'd know where we'd go once you get up the hatch anyway, you know. And so we're just trying to figure out, like, what are we going to do? There's no, we're yelling, no, no help is coming. We're trying to figure out, pressing all buttons, nothing is happening. And so we're just sort of resigned to this spot. And I remember thinking, like, okay, it's fine. Somebody will get us tomorrow. And then remembering tomorrow was Sunday. And I was like, I'm going to spend, like, a day and a half in this stupid elevator with three people that I am beginning not to like very much, Right. And somewhere around the hour and a half mark, my friend is leaning his head against the panel that has the buttons on it, and he reaches up and he presses the first floor. Ding, the elevator opens. We had never gone anywhere. The elevators were grounded. The only way they would open, though, was if you pressed the first floor button, not any other button. And so we wasted an hour and a half sitting in the elevator thinking we were going somewhere for absolutely no purpose whatsoever. 
Today we're wrapping up our series entitled, As We Wait. And today uh, the message title is, As We Wait in Rest. For those of you taking notes today, this brings us to our big idea. The big idea is this, to experience rest is to engage in rest. To experience rest is to engage in rest. We're going to see how because Jesus is our hope, our fulfillment, and our certainty, we can rest in him. And we're going to spend some time talking about what rest is, what it means to rest in him, and how that rest is proactive and purposeful, unlike my time in the elevator in Fort Worth. So let's pray, and then you can join me in looking at today's scripture again. Father, thank you that you are enough for us. I thank you that you are our hope, our certainty, our fulfillment, and our rest. And so many of us this morning, Lord, come in today looking for rest, looking for something different than has happened before, looking for hope, looking for answers, looking for certainty. Lord, we need you. We may not even realize the ways in which we need you. And so, Lord, would you do something special in our hearts today? Would you bring us to an awareness, and understanding of you? Would you move in the places that, Lord, we have reserved for ourselves? Would you move in the places that we're trying to offer to you? Would you move in each and every one of us and help us to understand you and know you more this morning? In the name of Jesus, amen. Our scripture, again, Nehemiah did a fantastic job reading it is Luke 2, 8 to 20, it says this. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. The first thing I want us to notice from this passage is that sometimes we've sort of whitewashed or, or, or we look at the Bible and we think it's all really tidy and neat and wrapped up and clean, right? Like they all walk around with little halos and then they get, wake up in the morning, birds sing and they drop their cloaks on their backs and they just sort of walk around with this nice, you know, music playing some Disney soundtrack. But the truth is this is an interaction between tough men and powerful angels. As I talked about a couple weeks ago, shepherds were working men and every once in a while woman too. These are people with rough hands and dirty mouths. They are people who are blue collar. They're not easily intimidated. This is, I mean, they, they would regularly face thieves and wild beasts. These are people who are used to danger. They're used to having a bad reputation. Often uh, due to the nature of their work, they couldn't show up because they weren't able to get ceremonial clean, ceremonially clean, so they couldn't show up to religious festivals. 
They were often accused of theft and considered untrustworthy. By reputation alone, they were often not allowed to testify in court. They're used to being judged. They're used to being looked down upon. These are not people who are easily slighted. They're tough. They're not soft. But when the angel shows up, what does verse 9 say? They're terrified. For those taking notes, this is our first observation for the day. Jesus is our hope. Jesus is our hope. When the angel appears to the shepherds, this isn't some cute like fairy tale, fairy godmother angel that shows up like cherub. Like this is something intimidating enough to put fear in the shepherds' hearts. And then suddenly there's a multitude of them. Like that's terrifying, right? Did you know though that it doesn't explicitly say that they were singing? Right? We, we infer that, but it doesn't explicitly say they were singing. It says the words that are used mean that they were extolling God's greatness and praising him. They were expressing his greatness as an act of worship. I imagine this moment to be like King T'Challa, William Wallace, or King Aragorn, passionately rallying their troops for battle. Swords beat against shields, Right? Warriors echo their statements back and forth. The rallying cry gets bigger and bigger, building an intensity. But instead of rallying for war, the angels, angels are celebrating the incredible greatness of God's plan. Look at verse 10 with me again. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. You see, though, God's plan was to send the Messiah through his chosen ones, the Jewish people. Their honor wasn't just that they would have first access to the scriptures or first access to the Messiah, but that the people and their gift would be an incredible blessing to the entire world. We know this because it's the promise that God gave Abraham when he made his covenant. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 says, The Lord said to Abram, who's later going to be named Abraham, same guy, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Good news, we fall in that category of all the peoples on the earth. When the angel army proclaims this is good news of great joy, they say it's for all people. This is why 2,000 years and half a world away, this is our hope. It means something to us in particular. For those taking notes, this brings us to our second observation for the day. Jesus is our fulfillment. Jesus is our fulfillment. When we take a look at verse 11, there's a lot more there than we, we might first realize. Verse 11 says, Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. Now this verse contains a ton of of fulfillment of prophecies. It is a lot that's going on. Promises are being answered here. Promises like the one when God told Mary that her baby would be the Messiah. Promises like the one that that God gave us through the prophet Micah, that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem, and the prophet Isaiah, that he would be born of a virgin. Promises that he would suffer and die for our sins, that he would defeat sin and death and many, many more. And so when the angels are chanting, when the angels are glorifying God, they they are saying, today, 
Today is the day. It's today. It finally happened. It's the way that Michael Scott says, it's happening. Jesus isn't just our hope. He is the fulfillment of the promises God gave us from the beginning of Scripture. For those taking notes today, this brings us to our third observation. Last week, Pastor Justin was talking about we all have fears. And he told a funny story about uh, trying to enter the Hezekiah's tunnel in Jerusalem, right? And he's like, I, I started to get in and he realized, I, what did he say? He says, this big body doesn't fit in that small space. And so he, he takes off, he runs out of there, right? But I was already in the tunnel. So I'm there and all of a sudden he's gone. I'm like, where did he go? And somebody's like, where did who go? The, the point was this. What Justin was talking about was that uh, some of our most common fears are that our self-doubts would actually be true. That we aren't good enough or qualified enough or that we aren't truly lovable or good. There's a deep fear in us that people will find out that perhaps we are imposters. Now, most of the time, it's just simply not true. But many of us struggle with these thoughts and negative, uh, negative beliefs and doubts. And this is where the gospel is so life-giving and so refreshing. See, the beauty of the gospel is that God doesn't accept us, love us, choose us, redeem us, empower us, give us a purpose or a mission because of anything we have done or might do. The beauty of the gospel is that God, while we were still in sin and open rebellion against him, entered into humanity to rescue and renew all creation through the person and the work of Jesus because he is good and because he loves us, not because of us. The Bible tells us that our salvation and our faith are unearned and undeserved. But listen, it's, it's one thing to hear it. It's another thing to experience it. Look at verses 15 and 16 Again, it says this. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds have this incredibly crazy experience where they're told the long-awaited Messiah has been born. And while it's not every day that a raucous host of scary angels show up to your work to give you a message... It's verse 16 that makes this real. They go into town and they find Jesus exactly as they were told he would be. This wasn't something that was just said. It's now something that's experienced. He's right there in front of them. And the world uh, knows these words are shown to be true. The Bible tells us that when we become apprentices of Jesus, we're brought to life from a place of spiritual death. We're made citizens of the kingdom of heaven and adopted into God's family as true children who share in Jesus' inheritance. That's incredible. That we're given the righteousness of Jesus and forgiven and made new. Our identity then, as the Bible has promised, is not based on what we've done or or anything else except on who God is himself. Our identity comes from him, and we are only who he says we are. Because God isn't fickle or unstable or uncertain, we can be certain that what he says he will do will be done, and that who he says we are is true because he is true. We have certainty in Jesus. For those taking notes, this brings us to our fourth and final observation for today. I want us to see something here. I want us to see something here. Turn back to our scripture today and look at verses 19 and 20, the last two verses for today. It says this. 
But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. See, resting in Jesus isn't just sitting back and doing nothing. Resting in Jesus is not just sitting back and doing nothing. Resting in Jesus is proactive. It's, it's engaging. It means something. There's something to do while we work. What do the shepherds do after they find Jesus? They go back to work. They return to their fields. Mary and Joseph go back to their lives. They, they, they have, it's not like everything just stopped and we have this, I know it feels that way because we have these manger scenes, right? But, but we move past the manger. What's the scene from uh, Ricky Bobby? He was a man. He had a beard. He wasn't a baby any longer. Mary and Joseph go on with their life, but everyone is forever changed by this moment. Mary's visited by an angel, t- angel who tells her that she would be having a baby despite the fact that she was a virgin. And we know, again, it's one of those whitewashing things, we know that Joseph didn't believe her at first. Why? Because it says that Joseph intended to divorce her quietly. Now, in those days, an engagement was a legal contract that required a divorce to get out of, right? Some of you are like, thank God it's not that way today. That's for all you who are engaged for like five years plus. Like, just get married. It's only, yeah, it's only when another angel comes to Joseph. That's a whole side sermon. We'll do that another time. All right. It's only when another angel comes to Joseph and tells him, hey, dude, I know that you're scared, but guess what? This is legit. It's all right. And Joseph is like, okay, fine. I guess I'll believe you. Uh, so that's, that's a big deal, right? So it's only then that Joseph changes his mind and doesn't divorce her. I'm sure that Mary, like us, second-guessed herself, that she self-doubted, that she was like, did I really hear that right? Like, I, I know this is all happening, but like, is this really what was supposed to be there? It's these moments when the shepherds experience the angels, though, and they, they come, and they, they get to experience baby Jesus with Mary and Joseph, that Mary understands that it's not just for their family anymore, that this Messiah is for the world. Mary's going to experience this some two years later when the Magi come visit her again. Some guy's coming to worship the baby from a, a totally different kingdom. Verse 19 says that she treasured these things in her heart and meditated on them. That word for treasured means to hold on to, to preserve closely, to protect. In other words, she's saving them to draw on them for later. This is one of the ways that Mary rests. She, she holds on to and treasures these things in her heart for the times that she's going to need them. That word for meditate is the word symbolusa, and it means to think deeply on a subject. The connotation is that you're like chewing on this. You're wrestling with this. You're looking at this from all these different angles. In fact, the words meditation in biblical biblical terms are not like Eastern meditation where the idea is to clear our minds. In biblical meditation, the idea is it, it brings up like conversing or debating. It's like you're, you're debating yourself on all of the different aspects of this issue and you're thinking through and wrestling through how does this look and what does this mean you're trying to so thoroughly understand it that you understand all of its implications as well and because we understand deeply the implications those implications at that moment bring us to today when we apprentice Jesus and become adopted into God's family 
we also inherit Jesus' mission for the world. We become a part of the family business. In Matthew 28, Jesus reveals that the church is God's plan to carry on that business. It's a messed up plan because the church is messed up. It's broken. It doesn't work right. The reality is, is it makes no sense that God would do that except God is good and he chooses broken things to bring about his great things. And so God gave us this family job to do. That he made us ambassadors of his kingdom. It means that we are supposed to show the world around us the hope, the fulfillment, the certainty, and the rest to those people that God has put into our lives. So hope, fulfillment, certainty, and rest aren't just a part of our calling. They're now a part of who we are. It's not our burden, but our identity. Resting in Jesus is working and living out of the rest of Jesus. What do I mean? First, when we apprentice Jesus, we have the promise of Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Second, when we apprentice Jesus, we don't use our own strength or power to accomplish his mission or make it through our daily lives. In fact, often when we get overwhelmed and exhausted, it's because we're trying to do things out of our own strength, our own way, and our own timing instead of trusting and relying on God. Or we don't believe that he's going to do what he's promised to do in and through us. But the Bible tells us the path forward is actually not in our own strength. The Bible tells us is his strength. And so consider these four verses quickly. Zechariah 4, 6 says, So he answered me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord of armies. And 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. And Isaiah 55, 8, 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, my ways are not your ways are not my ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as, for as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And finally, Acts 1.8, which says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So fam, here's what we have discussed today. Because Jesus is our hope, our fulfillment and our certainty, we can rest in him. Resting in him is better than our own rest because resting in him means relying on him for his purpose, his direction, his strength and power. In him, we find everything that we need, even the things we didn't know that we needed. Since he becomes our hope, our fulfillment and our certainty, we are actually called both to rest and to help others rest as they discover the hope, fulfillment, certainty, rest in Jesus too. So this Christmas, maybe we, may we be like the shepherds in verse 20 and go about our daily lives glorifying and praising God for all of the things we have seen and heard. If you want to know more about what it means to apprentice Jesus or take the next step and be baptized, I want to encourage you to find me after service or connect with somebody at the next steps table. Warner Pink Lanyard, we'd love to help you start the next steps of your journey. For now, let's Dear Heavenly Father, as we conclude this time of worship and service, we reflect on what you said to us through praise and scripture.
we express our gratitude for all you are doing in us and through us. Father, as we prepare to leave, we ask that you help us to love you and everyone around us with all we are and have. May the way we live bring you glory and may we carry the message of your love and grace with us wherever we go. And now to this community of Christ's apprentices, we pronounce this benediction. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the unity of the Holy Spirit abide with us always. May our love for Jesus and people continually grow. Go and be the church.